and welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association Urban Missionary Training Center. We are looking at church planting movements in this video series. And today in this video, we're looking at 10 practical handles. The material in this video comes from the church planting movement booklet that was written by David Garrison of the International Mission Board and printed in the year 2000. 10 practical handles. Church planting movements are a sovereign act of God, but in His sovereign grace and mercy, He has chose to partner with us. The following list are practical things we can do to cooperate with God in His work. If you notice what he says in the beginning, in the beginning in this book, that church planting movements come from God. They're not an act of man. You can do all the right things, say all the, say all the right things, do, do the right things, have all the right activities, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have a church planting movement. But it is important that we understand where God's at work and what He's doing so that we might join in and cooperate with what His Spirit is already doing. Church planting movements have been occurring for decades. Many people are very familiar with them. Some people aren't. The purpose of this series is to create familiarity with church planting movements and to look at some of the characteristics of those movements. These are practical handles that have come or have risen up from the study of church planting movements. Pursue a church planting movement orientation from the beginning. Missionaries model a church planting movement type church with evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication training from the first gathering. In other words, missionaries or those who are leading have chosen to use certain methods from the very beginning. There are certain methods which hinder growth. Certain methods do not cause discipleship to, to occur at the pace it should. But there are other methods that pull out the obstacles and allow church planting movements to occur, or at least things to move along more quickly and develop as they should. But he is saying that we should pursue a church planting movement whether or not God gifts us with a divine visitation, we still should do certain things. Develop and implement comprehensive strategies. Typically what this means is you start with the, the end in mind. You begin with the very end in mind. You incorporate a wide variety of activities from the very beginning. And what he says or he suggests in the four pillars is that you come up with a, a strategy plan that includes prayer, God's Word, evangelism, and church planting. In evangelism, we're also including discipleship. Church planting is the formation. After people become believers, we gather them together and we disciple them together and they, they create a functioning church. We evaluate everything to achieve the end vision. This is not envisioning, but this is end, E-N-D, visioning. An effective missionary will filter out everything he or she does through the lens of the end vision or a master plan. 
This helps guide when to say yes or no to a ministry idea. Having a plan, having a target, and using a master plan to say, we want to achieve this. We believe God wants us to do this. And that is a fully functioning planted church of indigenous believers in that cultural context. That is our end goal, to see the gospel fully expressed in that culture, in that people group. Another practical handle is to employ precise harvesting. That means to identify and locate individuals who have already responded positively to the gospel and place long-term leaders in direct contact for discipleship, follow-up, and church planting. It means to be sensitive where God is at work and then put leaders and, and resources where people are responding to the Spirit of God. We want to throw gasoline on the fire, but we find out where the fire is first, and then we throw our resources toward that. Because God seems to be working there, we want to follow along and join Him. Prepare new believers for persecution. Boy, how we do not do that here in our country. But in other countries where it costs something to become a believer, believers are trained to understand that persecution is coming. New believers must understand that a call to follow Christ is a call to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Persecution and even martyrdom may come, but new believers should not be surprised by it. New believers should not be surprised that they're going to experience persecution. They should understand it, and when it comes, they should not allow it to cause them to deny Christ, but it should make them stronger in their faith because they know it's coming. Gather them, then win them. A typical church planting movement gathers new believers first, then works with them in a process that leads to salvation and discipleship. Many times this occurs along the family and relational connections. An example of that is when we were living in Mexico City, one of the seminary students there at the local seminary started a church. He had a, he, he had a small group that would meet him in a restaurant. And he uh, publicized that he was going to be talking about family values, the importance of training your children. And so he used the, the upper level of a restaurant. They met there for six weeks. He had a good group coming. And they were talking about family issues, families that wanted, parents that wanted to be a better parent, that wanted to raise healthy children. They came, they listened. At the end of six weeks, he said, we want to meet in one of our, one of our homes because the rest not, restaurant will not allow us to continue. So they went to the pastor's home. These were people who had not accepted Christ. So a couple of more times in the home, probably by week eight or week nine, that group of 25 to 30 adults had become believers. So he had a house church, but he started in a different place. He was in his home with a new house church. He discipled them faithfully for a year and a half. At the end of a year and a half, one of the fathers came to him and said, my sons and I are professional wrestlers. 
We're not eloquent speakers. We can't do what you do, but we believe in Christ and we're so thankful for our new salvation that we've experienced because it's changed our life and the life of our family. But we want to see others come to Christ, but we don't know how to do what you do. So we've come up with this idea. We would like to rent a facility get a professional wrestling ring and put it in the middle of the facility and invite the community to come. And in between each match of professional wrestling, we want to share our faith, share how we came to faith in Christ. So they did that. They found a place, put a ring up, and in between each match, the wrestlers would stand up and share their faith in Christ. And they would invite people... If you want to come behind the bleachers, if you want to come to uh, talk with somebody else, there are people who are willing to talk with you. And they had about another 25 to 30 people accept Christ out of that venture. So they were growing their church, but they were doing it in such a way that they were gathering them first in the restaurant and then winning them to Christ. Another characteristic is plant pouch churches. A pouch church represents, it's a participatory Bible study where you teach obedience to the scriptures, not just head knowledge, but obedience to the scriptures. You have unpaid and non-hierarchical leaders, meaning those unpaid leaders have the freedom to win people to Christ, to baptize them, and then to disciple them They can do the Lord's Supper. They can do all of it as a new church. And then these are cell groups or house churches. That is considered to be a pouch church. Develop multiple leaders in each church. Start with the idea of multiple leaders and ensure an abundance of of potential for existing in new churches. Disciple more than one person. Disciple a group of leaders at the same time so that they grow. And if somebody grows to a point where they feel that God wants them to start their own group, you have enough leaders left to continue on to disciple, and then you help the new group begin. Use on-the-job training. Avoid the temptation to pull local leaders from their context of ministry for years of training in an institute Use short-term training opportunities over long periods of time. Make sure that people can live and work in their own context and get the training they need along the way. Model, assist, watch, and leave. Model the activity for those to whom you are discipling. Then assist the new leaders to do the same. First, we model it so that they get an idea of what needs to be done. Then we step back and we do that together as we assist them to take those leadership roles. And then we watch them as they lead by themselves. We step back and we let them lead. We become the shadow disciplers. We want them to reproduce what we've taught them. And then we leave the responsibility to them. It doesn't mean that we leave them completely and we go on to someplace else and never have contact with them. Even Paul, after he planted churches, would leave that area, but he still wrote back to them. He couldn't pick up the phone and call them, or he couldn't email them or FaceTime them. But Paul would write letters back to them to maintain that contact. Model, assist, watch, and leave. Ten practical handles. 
Church planting movements are a sovereign act of God, but in His sovereign grace and mercy, He has chosen to partner with us. This list that we just looked at are practical things that we can do to cooperate with where God is at work. Thank you for watching this video of the Urban Missionary Training Center. We hope that you take advantage of the other videos. We have one more video in this series.